Then in verse 17. It says, and when I saw him, John's writing, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Listen, I am he who lives and was dead. <laughs> and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. I have the keys of Hades and of death. <laughs> he said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. No other religion, no other belief system, I don't even like calling it a religion, no other belief system has a God who is dead and is alive. Amen. He said, I was dead, but I am alive. He, it was, he wasn't asleep, he was dead. He died our death for us. He paid the price for sin, for sickness and disease. Jesus bore that for us, and he said here, to John in the beginning of the book of Revelation. He says, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. He who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And then Jesus, right in the middle of his sentence, says, amen. So be it. Let it be settled. I am alive. <laughs> I am alive forever, And I have the keys of Hades and of death. He said, not only am I alive, but I have the keys of victory in every area of your lives. Come on. As Zach said earlier, I don't know what, we're, what you're facing, what this past week has dealt to you, but here's what I know. He's alive. And he's been given a name that at the name of Jesus, every knee, every situation, every circumstance has to bow to that name for those who believe in that name. When we believe in that name, we studied a couple weeks ago about, I'll let you guys sit down in just a minute. I like it. About the word. And in Mark chapter 4, he said that he talked about the measure that, uh, that we give of study and intent that we give to the word will be the measure that's given back to us and more besides. And he's talking about, it's not about what we do. It's not about what we produce. It's not our production. It's our believing and agreeing with the word of truth. And when we do, the fruit comes out of our life. And that fruit to overcome every situation and every circumstance, no matter what you're faced with, if you'll look to him, the author. He said, I'm the first and the last. He said, I'm the author and the finisher of your faith. Whatever it is that we're facing, it didn't take him by surprise. And he's alive. That's a good word. He's alive. You know, I want to share this with you, and then I will let him sit down. But Zach, as we started in worship, Zach just really began to declare over us and talked about the glory of the Lord. We were singing that song, and the glory of the Lord covered the earth, is covering the earth. And I was reminded of two passages of Scripture. One, in Isaiah 60, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and His glory will be seen upon you. That's a good word right there. 
he said that there's a darkness and a deep darkness that will cover the people, but the glory of the Lord will arise upon you. Then in John chapter 17, this is Jesus, and I've shared this not too long ago, but in this passage, this is Jesus sharing, he's not sharing, praying for us today, praying for believers today. And here's what he said, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. He had just finished, just finished up praying for the disciples, the, those that had followed him there on the earth, while he was here on the earth. And he said, I don't pray for these alone, but I pray also for those who will believe through their word. So he was praying for us. And here's what he said, that they all be, may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Verse 22. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they might be, that they may be one as we are one. I want to put before you today, even as Zach declared, the glory of the Lord covers the earth. I want to tell you that the way that the Lord wants the glory to cover the earth today is through us. I'm going on whether you go with me or not. I'm telling you that the glory of the Lord has been put upon us. His, mag His majesty has been given to us. Not that we glory, but he said as you continue to read, as you bring glory to me, it honors my Father and it glorifies my Father. He has given us that glory that we can shine as lights in a dark world. And I'm here to tell you, it is a dark world. But I rejoice because I have the light and light always supersedes darkness the only way that dark gets darker is when you stop being a light they're less an oxymoron dark can't get darker dark is just the absence of light so if darkness is covering the earth it means the light is not being what it's called to be Shabbat he said that we are light. He said, I've given you my glory. And we can pray and we can ask and we can say, God, let your glory fall. Let your come. And I believe in the manifested presence of God. I believe that you can be in a service. You can be in worship or even in the, the giving of the word. And the presence of God can be so weighty upon you that you sense the tangible presence of the Lord. But I want you to understand, we've got to quit seeking for something and understand who we are. Amen. You guys can stop. I'm going to pray and I'm going to get into this. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for this day. I thank you for your word, that your word is true. And we say, Holy Spirit, come through the power of your word and have your way in this place. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity we've had to worship you, to glorify your name through song, to unite our hearts in, a, in one song. To, to lift you up. And Father, we thank you for the truth of your word and the power of that word that's released as we declare it. Lord, I believe that this word is the same, has the same power, the same authority that it did when you were here upon the earth, Lord Jesus. And as you spoke it, Lord, you put faith with that and we saw mighty works and deeds done by your hand because you believed the word that you said. So Father, I believe today that your word has not lost its power. As Hebrews says, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we say, Spirit of the living God, have your way in this place. Have your way. Father, I ask you to draw us. As Jesus said, that no one comes to me except the Father draw him. So I say, Father, draw our hearts to Jesus today. May we see him high and lifted up, beautiful in this place beautiful in our lives.
Father, we thank you. We honor you. You're worthy. And we ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> I, uh, I shared Wednesday night that this past week I was um, in Boone with my daughter. And that was good. It was good to be there with her. But one of the things is we pulled up on Friday. And I think that uh, the reason that this has kind of impacted me, well, several reasons. It should impact us as believers. But um, because we're in a college town or right next to a college town with Elon a mile and a half, two miles up the road if it's that much. And it's, uh, we arrived in town on Friday around lunchtime. Picked up Brianna from her class, and uh, we went down, going to her dorm to get some stuff from her dorm, and we passed right near the, the road that comes out from her dorm, right on campus. There was a subway and about two or three bars there, and at, at lunchtime, a little after lunch, there were all these girls, young girls, lined up and had the bottles lined up in front of them where they'd already been drinking. And uh, <clears throat> my heart just went out. Because as I look, even as Isaiah said, that darkness covers the earth and deep, deep darkness to people. And I look, and uh, I've shared this with you before. Sometimes my wife gets on me because I people watch. I don't watch to see how awkward people are. Because <laughs> you can do that too. But I watch to see people and where what I perceive of them of the Lord. And many, as I've said, the eyes are the windows to the soul. Many, you can look into their eyes and you can see that they're just grasping for what's there. I was meeting with this uh, young man this past week and talking about alcohol, talking about drugs and things like that. And he was talking about, you know, anytime you do, whether it's alcohol or drug or sex, whatever, anything that you're doing that's trying to fill that void that's in your life, you always try to go further than you went before, try to get higher than you did the time before. And you know what? You're always grasping at the wind. It's like Solomon said, it's vanity, oh vanity, because there's nothing that will fulfill that in us save Jesus Christ. Nothing, whether it's a loss in your life, whether it's uh, emptiness, whatever it is, Jesus is the only answer. And when you look at humanity, you can see in their eyes, you can see as they're going about just doing life with no understanding, many of them, that they're a spirit being. And uh, Brother John Kellogg has helped me with this tremendously in understanding even when we see quirky people, even when we see people that rub us the wrong way, y'all don't know anything about that, those people that just seem to maliciously come after you, understand they're a spirit. They are an eternal spirit, and they're going to live forever. And he said in his word, the glory that I have, I've given unto them, that the world may know you. Here's what I'm saying. The power in us is greater than any darkness outside of us. I was going to share this later in the message. I don't even know how far we're going to go into the message. I got eight pages, just so you know. Be afraid. Be very afraid. No, I'm just kidding. You're not being given a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. <clears throat> That's, that'll preach right there. 
But uh, I was going to use this illustration near the end of the message, but I'm going to go ahead and use it. I was listening to, listening to someone teach the other day, and they gave an illustration from R.W. Schambach. And uh, uh, what you like or don't like about R.W. Schambach, I don't care. Just sitting about R.W. Schambach, it was the illustration. It's powerful. He was in a meeting, and he had a woman come up to him, and the woman said, uh, I want you to pray for me that I'll get a new place to live. So the apartment building in which I live said there's a, a witch who lives next door to me. And he said, every, she said every night she comes out and he, he, she said she'll spray this powder. She'll spread this powder on my porch and she'll do incantations on my porch and all these curses and things like that. And she said it's affecting my sleep. It's affecting my job. And so I want you to pray that I would uh, get a new place to live. And he said, absolutely, I will not. And she was taking it back. He said, she said, what? He said, I will not. And he, he whispered something in her ear. He said, here's what I want you to do. And he told her in her ear what he wanted to do. So that night after the meeting, she went home and she got in her house. And uh, she didn't fast and pray for a week. She went home. She got in her house and she stood behind the door. And she waited for about the time that this woman would always come over. She stood behind the door waiting. And when the girl got there and she threw her powder on and started her incantation, she jerked the door open. She didn't have her socks. She didn't have her shoes on. She ran out the door and started worshiping the Lord and dancing in the powder, just declaring the goodness of the Lord and who God is, dancing right in her witchcraft powder, and said the girl ran off. And she said within 24 hours, the girl had left. She had moved. I didn't tell that to be a funny story. I told that to be... That's the reality of who lives in us. And what's sad in America, to, in the world today, is most Christians are hiding behind the door saying, Oh, God, do something. And the glory of the Lord is upon us. We are living in the kingdom that he came and established on the earth. He said in John, If my kingdom were a physical kingdom, that my subjects would fight for me. But he said, Not right now. I think it's John 18... It is. 1836, Jesus answered. Pilate asked him and said, Are you, Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you. What, uh, what have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should be delivered to the Jews. So that I might not be, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. I'm sorry, I'm a little jacked up. Listen, the last part of that, he says, but now my kingdom is not from here. Did he say he wouldn't have a kingdom here? No. He said, right now my kingdom that I establish is a spiritual kingdom. But it is established. It is established today. And I'm going to look at that in just a moment. But it is established. But he said it's not on this earth right now. But it doesn't mean that there's not a kingdom established right now. There was a spiritual kingdom established. Jesus said that you are in my kingdom. As a matter of fact, let me get in the right app. When you look in Mark, this past week, I went. I was just here on Tuesday morning praying. I was just saying, all right, Lord, where do you want me to go to read? Not uh, to get to give, but just to read. And I really felt impressed to the Lord to go back to the beginning of Mark. Just a couple weeks ago, we were in Mark chapter 4, looking at the parable of the sower. It's just phenomenal. But I went back to Mark chapter 1 and just started reading. I love... Mark, the four Gospels each portray Jesus in a different way. But 
in Mark, he's portrayed as the servant. It shows what Jesus came to do, the works of his father. In John, it shows him as king uh, of the Jews. It shows him as the son of God. I'm sorry. Matthew is king. Luke shows his humanity. Mark shows his servanthood that he came to serve. He said, I didn't come to, to be served, but to serve. And then John shows he's the son of God. But I love Mark's gospel because right out the gate, you see Jesus doing miracles. I, I understand he did, I understand his first miracle. I understand that. Don't get in the ditch. Um, I understand that it was the, at the wedding. But here in Mark, Mark starts recording in chapter 1. He starts showing Jesus as the servant of God. John shows him as the son of God. Mark shows him as the servant of God. Why is that important? Because we're his servants. We're his sons and his daughters as Jesus is. And Jesus said in John 14 that the works that I do will you do also and greater than these because I go to my Father. So in Mark, we see a model of Jesus demonstrating on the earth what we should look like on the earth as beings, not doings. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And uh, I'm sorry, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. Not will be fulfilled. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. That's literally what that means. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom is here. It's here. And he said, and uh, he said, what you do is repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. And as I looked at that, I just put on the brakes. And I thought, wow, Jesus. And we see this through his life. When Jesus began, he said he began preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And here he says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. In Matthew 4, 17, he says pretty much the same thing. For the time, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I like heaven. I think in Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel, it's referred, referred to as kingdom of heaven. And I like that because I believe it as Jesus taught his disciples how to pray when they said, Lord, teach us to pray. He said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy, thy kingdom come. What kingdom? Heaven. The kingdom of heaven on earth. Amen. Hallelujah. Mark, Matthew chapter 4. He gives us some insight into what this kingdom looks like. Matthew 4, 23. I'm going to give you several scriptures today because I don't want this to be my opinion. I want you to see that as I, was, as I got to Mark chapter 1 here in verse 14 and 15, and I saw where it says Jesus began preaching the gospel of the kingdom. I said, what is this gospel of the kingdom that Jesus is preaching? If, it, if he preached it, it ought to be important. Thank you, Glenn. It ought to be important if it's what Jesus was preaching. And we'll see that in just a moment. I'm not going there just yet. But in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. This is just a side note, but I was reading Mark's gospel, like I said, and in verses from verse 14 to verse, I think, 39, there's three different times that Jesus dealt with demoniacs in there. In the first chapter, and I've said this before, I think it's 
awesome and a little amusing and a little scary all at the same time that the first demon that we have record of Jesus casting out was in the church. Wow. But in the Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, so what I'm saying is this. Not establishing a new doctrine, just an observation of Todd. That I believe that a lot of what we deal with that we call oppression, or well, I don't want to say oppression, habits or addictions, I think there's, there could be, I'm not a demon chaser, but I think there could be more influence than just, well, they got a bad habit or something like that. Because I look in these, in the first chapter, and in, in 20-some verses, every time he starts dealing with the healed, he deals with the demonic. I'm just saying, I don't think, if, as time gets further along and the darkness gets darker, and I don't think that the demons retreat. That's not on them shouting ones, I know. But what I'm saying is, I think Jesus had such a, a, discern, a discernment that he could look and see what was manipulating, controlling, and he would deal with them. It's not a doctrine, just an observation. That was free. If you don't like it, leave it in the seat. Matthew chapter 9. I'll probably talk about it more later on. Not today, but... Matthew 9, verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And when he saw the multitudes, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered. I sent this out in my email. This is the passage I used in my email this week. And the word weary there means harassed and scattered. As a sheep having no shepherd, then he said to his disciples, The harvest is truly as plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He said the time is fulfilled. So what I want to establish is um, the time is fulfilled. I want to just give you a couple of passages of scriptures to validate that. Then I'm going to go back. In Luke 16, 16, it says this. The law and the prophets were until John. Say until John. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached, and everyone is pressing into it. Matthew 11, 11 through 13 says, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there is not one risen one greater than John the Baptist. But listen, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. So what is he saying? He's saying John was prophesying. He was declaring me. All the law, all the prophets point to me, not Todd, to Jesus. And he was saying that time is here. It's fulfilled. The law and the prophet, the covenants in the Old Testament, all of them were consummated. All of them were fulfilled in Jesus. If not, we're all going to hell. We might as well leave. Amen. They were fulfilled in Jesus. And here he is saying, 
The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached. Who's saying this? Jesus. It's in red. Red. Jesus is saying this. He said, until John, the law, the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached. Who was preaching it? John started preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. And then Jesus came on the scene and he took that to the next level and said, I'm establishing that kingdom here. And here's what that kingdom looks like. And he went about doing what? Teaching, preaching, and healing the sick. Right? I'm just giving you scripture. John chapter, uh, I've already read that. <laughs> Luke chapter 4. Very familiar passage of scripture. I love this passage of scripture. Verse 16 says, So he came to Nazareth where he, when he, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. That's pretty good. It says, As his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath. Jesus was in fellowship with others. That's important. It's uh, uh, Rich Fennell from Word of Life used to say, Pastor Rich Fennell used to say, the banana that gets separated from the bunch is the one that gets eaten. Anyway, Jesus stood up and read, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he opened the book, he found the place where it is written. You know what's so cool about that, too? Is that in our mindset, so many times we miss it. It says he found the place where it was written. He didn't have chapter and verse like we did. He didn't have an iPad. He didn't have a, a, a book of Isaiah that was broken down into chapters where he could find this particular passage. He knew where it was from his time in the Word. Amen. So he knew how to find that place. He wasn't like there. Just a minute, I'll be right with you. Hold on. Almost there. 59, six, coming, coming up. That wasn't what he done, what he did. <laughs> Sorry, English teachers. It wasn't what he did. He found the place, and here's what he said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So what's he preaching? We heard he preached the gospel of the kingdom. He said, now he's preaching. Here's the gospel to the poor. The good news. The word gospel literally means the good news to poor. He said, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, this is what Jesus stood when he stood in the synagogue declaring, here's who I am and here's what I've come to do. Is that what he did when he went out from there? Absolutely. That's what we see in Mark's gospel. When he went out, he went preaching, teaching, healing the sick. Whoever came to him, he healed the sick. What was he doing? He was demonstrating this passage, this prophecy that Isaiah gave of him. Here's who the Messiah will be, and here's what it'll look like when he comes. That's good. But he doesn't stop there because he goes on to say this. Then he took the book and he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What did he say? In case you're wondering, today, the kingdom is here. Ha <laughs> ha, it just ran all over me saying it. Today, the kingdom is here. Galatians chapter 4, for those who still want to know. 
more about it. Even chapter 4, verse 3, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God's had come, Paul looking back to what Jesus did, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And that word adoption, it doesn't mean like we're adopted like we have in our mind today. It, the original word literally means to be placed as a son in authority. It's a placement, not a bringing in and a placement. Son as sons, and because you are sons, God has sent forth his spirit in, of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Jesus Christ. He said the time is fulfilled. He said at the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. And when he sent forth his son, here's what he did. He sent his spirit to those who believe into their hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. You are no longer a slave, but a son. You're not a slave to sin. You're not a slave to an addiction. You're not a slave to a habit. You've been set free. Amen. But what happens is we've set our heart and our attention on the thing instead of the Savior. We're after more of behavior modification than we are heart transformation. We think if I can just act right, I'll be right. And it's just the opposite. If we can just get our heart centered around truth, then our actions will follow. It's not behavior modification. It's not tell people what they can and they can't do. It's bring people into a living relationship with Christ. Help them grow and mature in an intimate relationship with the Lord. And the understanding of who He is and the victory that they have in Him will set them free from the things that's kept them bound. You with me? Thumbs up. All right, I'm going somewhere. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Can you say amen right there? According to the riches of his grace, we have forgiveness from sins. Thank you, Father, for the richness of your grace, which he made abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Now. <laughs> all right. This verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 10 in Ephesians that I just read, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and on earth in him. Literally what that means is his kingdom established heaven on earth through his children. Now, there are two schools, two predominant schools of theology 
The first is covenant theology, and it holds that there are basic covenants in the Bible, the, the covenant of works and of grace. And, and that sounds good on the service, surface, but the, the flaw that I have with it in my belief system is this. They believe in uh, election over free will. This, I'm talking about this theological belief system. Are you tracking with me? Covenant theology says that there was, there was works, and then Jesus came, there's grace, which sounds great. But they also say when Jesus came, that, there, that salvation is to those he chose to save, and those he chose not to save are damned to hell no matter what they do. The other school of theology, predominant school of theology, is dispensational theology. And it holds that there were seven distinct dispensations in which God deals with man differently in each. Man holds, uh, many hold, many in this theological camp hold that in this dispensation that we're in, the gifts and the power, the gifts of the Spirit and the power of God is no longer in operation. I disagree with them as well. So I don't fit in any theological camp. In case you were wondering, I don't fit in them. I'm just saying. Now here's where I am. I believe the Bible. I'm just kidding. Not, I, <laughs> I'm just kidding. They do too. I'm not saying they don't. <laughs> As I was praying about this, we actually went through this when I was doing a study in Ephesians here on Wednesday nights. And as I was really pressing into the Lord about this, looking at these different theological, these, and I want to just, I'm going to define what theology is in a moment. But uh, here's what I feel like the Lord spoke to my heart as I was uh, just praying over this passage of Scripture. Because what these theological camps do, let me clarify that, in verse 10, they put verse 10 off to a future date. Are you tracking with me? They're saying that there's going to come a time when Jesus comes to the earth to fulfill this covenant, when heaven and earth are going to be unwon in him. I'm here to tell you that as you study this passage of Scripture in context, in Ephesians chapter 1, you'll see that Paul is talking in present tense in verse 9, um, in verse 8, in verse 9, and in verse 11. Are you tracking with me? He's talking present tense, verse 8, verse 9, verse 11. But these theological, made these two main theological groups say that this passage, verse 10, is put off to the future. Well, I believe it's for today. I believe Paul was describing what it's supposed to look like on the earth today. And I'll clarify that through the, the Greek meaning of the words that he used. I don't mean to be falling all over my words, but I'm just excited about this because I've been, I, I wasn't here to preach last week. So I've got all this just built up on the inside of me. And I'm trying not to preach like I'm on crack. And are you just like, I don't understand a third of what he said. So Theology defined as this, the study of religion and God's relation to the world. That's in Carter's definition of theology. My definition, man's study and understanding of, how God, of God and how he deals with us. So theology, in Todd's annotated version, is this. It's our study and, and our understanding of God. That's why there can be different theological views and one God. Because it's our understanding of who God is and how he deals with man. That's theology. Our understanding. And just in case you were wondering, his understanding is higher than ours. Doctrine is this, a set of principles or beliefs communicated through teaching and discipling. My definition of doctrine. 
man's teaching, which is based on his belief system and understanding of God and his dealings with us. Are you tracking with me? Maybe not. <laughs> okay, theology. I'm just going to give you my definition. It's man's study and understanding of who God is and how he deals with us. So doctrine is the beliefs and the practices that we put into place that align with our theology. It's what we teach and proclaim. So we have theology. It's what we understand and who we think God is. And then doctrine from that is how we teach and disciple people to be like us. That's our doctrine. And Jesus said, it says that Jesus in John chapter, Mark chapter 1, that Jesus had a new doctrine. I'm, I'm not making it up. I'm going to read it to you in just a moment. But in, in Mark chapter 1 in, 20, in the 20s, he said, they asked when Jesus spoke to the demoniac in the church and commanded him to shut up and it came out and it left. They said, what, is, what new doctrine is this? Because he speaks as one with power, not like the scribes. Who were the scribes? They were the religious theologians of the day who wanted to debate the scripture all the time. Just saying. That's who they were. And Jesus came with a different gospel, not a gospel of debate, a gospel of demonstration. He said, this is the gospel of the kingdom. So in my, my theology is this, Jesus is perfect theology. So I filter my theology, my belief system, through the manifested presence of Jesus on the earth. Because if Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says that Jesus is the express image of God. He is. And it says, I just read to you in Matthew's gospel, when he said, Jesus looked at the multitudes, not those I have chosen. When he looked at the multitude, he was moved with compassion because the multitude were those who was a sheep that didn't have a shepherd. Where I stand, I want you to know where I stand. I look in the life of Jesus and that's what I see. Could I be wrong? Possibly. But here's what I know. I'm going to err on the side of the love of God and this grace that he brought. Because when you look at John's gospel, it says the law, Moses gave, uh, the law was given by Moses, John 1, 17, I believe. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Glory to the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world for my sin. So, I never told you what I said as I was really praying about this, I felt that the Lord spoke to my heart. Theology and doctrine must be judged by the fruit that it bears, not by the argument that it makes. Theology and doctrine must be judged by the fruit that it bears, not by the argument that it makes. Because we can argue. You could probably argue me down. I'm not a debater. I have no desire in my body to be a debater. I'm a demonstrator. You can debate your point, and I can tell you, I understand what you're saying, but here, who's, here's who Jesus is to me, and here's how he's demonstrated that love and that grace to me. John seven sixteen. Jesus answered and said to him, My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone wills to do his will, speaking of the Father, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own. 
I believe that's why Jesus said what he did in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15. Beware of false prophets, those who come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. You'll know them by their fruit. Again, doctrine should be judged by fruit, not by the argument it makes. Do not men gather grapes? It says, do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Jesus was telling his disciples, don't just hear what they have to say. See what follows them. In Mark 16, he said, these signs will follow them. Again, in Mark 4, we talked about the, the fruit. We talked about the word that's planted in your heart. He said, you hear, you accept, you bear. Right? You hear, you accept, you bear. Your position is to agree with the seed of God's word. And when you agree with it, you bear fruit. Your works do not produce fruit. His word produces fruit. Our agreement with that word is what produces fruit. I'm telling you, there are champions in this room who have yet to agree with the truth of who God says they are. And the truth of that word hasn't been the power of that word. They've heard it. Just like uh, Peter in the boat when he said, if that's you, bid me come. Jesus said, come. And on that word was the power for Peter to step on water, something to defy the laws of gravity. Inside of that word that Jesus gave was the power to fulfill the word. And his word's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's just as powerful this morning as it was the day that he breathed it from his lips. I read from John 17 a minute ago. He says this, I in them and you in me, verse 23 of John 17, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved me and have loved them as you love me. So what was this gospel? It was the gospel that God loves you. Sin separated you. But I have come, love embodied, to set you free. Well, how do you know that? When Nicodemus, a religious leader of his day, came to him and said, tell me about this. He said, Nicodemus, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, who? that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. He began by telling Nicodemus, here's what the gospel is, Nicodemus. It's the love of God. Man was in sin. They were wicked and separated. The law was not given to draw men, uh, to, to make men holy. It was, it was given to show men their need of God, their inability to be perfect and to receive what God had given. I don't know if I'll get to that, but I have that in here. So verse 10, I want to give you this. I want to give you a few definitions of the word, then I'm going to, wow, it's 1144. That's redunculous. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, which are on earth, in him. The word dispensation there, it literally means an administration of a household. An administration, uh, the overlooking, the the stewardship of a household. Jesus said, I came, I established a kingdom, and I've left you to be stewards. You are a steward. Woo! I 
hadn't done that in a long time. You are a steward. The dispensation literally means a steward of a household. Fullness. He said when the fullness of time, uh, he said here, at the fullness of the times, fullness means that which is or has been filled. Are you tracking with me? He said that in the dispensation, so at the stewardship of the household or the stewardship of the kingdom, at the fullness of times, the word fullness literally means that which is or has been filled. Then times, the word times there is the word kairos, I believe is how you say it. If not, that's the way I say it. The Greek word New Testament 2540. And according to Vine's definition, here's what it means. The word kairos means this, this time, in this lifetime, in contrast with the coming age. So this Greek word literally means in this lifetime that we're in. Are you tracking with me? I want to make sure. I don't want to let anybody fall off right here. I should get hurt. I don't want you to get hurt. Why? Because the importance of what this verse says, he said that he would gather together in one. That last thing, I'm going, that's a Greek word, and I am not going to try to pronounce it. It's about that long. It says gather together in one. It means to sum up. To sum up, to bring together. And what did he say in John's gospel when he was praying for them? I and you, you and them together. In us, they're one. They're complete. He said that in John's gospel, that we're complete in him. He said that again in, uh, I'll tell you in a minute. It's Colossians or Ephesians 1, that we're complete in him. Um, Because I know I have it in here. So. The fullness of times. Times is in this lifetime in contrast with the coming age. So he is saying in the fullness of time, he's going to sum up together in one heaven and earth summed up in him. Does that sound biblical that we have a dual citizenship? Absolutely it does. It says that we're citizens of heaven, but we live on earth. He said we're now seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus in him. That's not my word. That's the word that we're seated in heaven with him. That we're heir. 1 Corinthians 6 says that he has joined himself to the Lord as one spirit with the Lord. So if we're one spirit with the Lord and the Lord's in heaven, where are we? We're with him. And he said in Christ, he summed up the two, heaven and earth. He summed them up in the man, Christ Jesus. Why? So that we living on the earth, demonstrating him on the earth, would, be, would release heaven on the earth. I just put before you, my heart is this. I don't pray uh, heaven come. I pray that we would be heaven on the earth. Instead of keep praying, Jesus, come get us, I'm I'm saying, I'm praying, Jesus, live through us. Because I'm in you and you are in me. As I believe that truth, I don't have to do to be, I do because I be. Amen. That's good. Thank you, Emily. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, but with his great love when he loved us, which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised up together and made us sit together present tense, in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show. He might show. How's he going to show through us? How's his glory going to be released on the earth through those who carry it? We're always looking for it to come. We'll miss what's here. That's a good word right there.
Mark, I told you I'd get there, verse 21, Mark chapter 1, verse 21. Then they went to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching. Listen, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. (laughs) Paul said the same thing. Paul said, there are those who don't believe I'm going to come back and see you. He said, and they talk a good talk. He said, but when I come, I want to see their power. It's not all about power. But I want you to know that this gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, is a gospel of power. It's a kingdom of power. Because he's been given a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee has to bow. That's right here, right now. That kingdom is here. It's not coming, it's here. Now, he will come and establish a physical kingdom on the earth. But till then, we are here preparing that kingdom for him. We're here displaying his glory on the earth. And we'll only do that as we agree with the truth of that word and walk in it. The truth is there, and the power is released when the agreement is made. Just like the seed put in the soil, the the seed will grow and bring forth fruit only when it's accepted in the soil and agrees with the soil, and the nutrients are released into it, and then life comes out of it. I don't have time to go there right now. Now, when there was in the synagogue an unclean spirit, he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? I've said this before, but isn't it amazing that the devil, the demons knew who Jesus was and the religious leaders didn't? He said, Jesus, now did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet and come out of him. And, when it, and there's an exclamation point there. For those who think that Jesus was monotone, Read the Bible. There was an exclamation point. I think. He said, shut up and get out. (laughs) Mama said, you can't say shut up. (laughs) And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. They were all amazed. Listen, verse 27. Then they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? What new doctrine for with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. This new gospel. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, he says this, Paul writing, and I'm going to try to close here. I've got so much to say, but uh, maybe next week. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 says, I marvel at your turning away so soon from him who called you in grace, in the grace of Christ, to a different gospel, which is not another So Paul said, I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ. Called you into what? The grace of Christ. He said, I marvel that you've turned away from that so soon to a different gospel. And he said this, there really isn't a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. He said, there are those that want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Listen, but even if I, if we, or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you other than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, verse 9, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you other than what you have received, let him be accursed. That's not my saying. That's Paul saying. Paul said, here's the gospel of Christ. It's the gospel of grace, not your works, not your goodness. His grace in spite of your wickedness. And you receive it. And when you agree with it and receive it, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is released into your life. Listen, he says, "For I now, do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I please men, 
I would not be bond, the bondservant of Christ. Verse 11. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. What gospel is he talking about? It's the gospel he talked about in Ephesians, that he talks about in Galatians, that it comes through grace for whosoever will believe. They'll receive the kingdom. They'll come, they'll enter the kingdom, as he told Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And he said, when you do, Mark 16 says, these signs will follow those that come in the kingdom. See, here's the reality, folks. When we come into, as we understand, not when we, when you get born again, you are born into the kingdom of God. And as you're born into that kingdom, as you renew your mind to the reality, as we do that, we begin to to demonstrate that kingdom on the earth. Now, that looks different for different people, how that looks. We can't look at what so-and-so did. Smith Wigglesworth, punt a baby across the stage. Don't try it. Lord. John G. Lake, the bubonic plague. Say that three times. Bubonic plague broke out. And they said, you can't go in there. He said, yes, I can. He said, how can you go in there? He said, because I'm redeemed from the curse. Sickness can't touch me. He was a medical doctor. They said, they're dying by the droves. Your church members are dying. He said, I'm going in and praying for them. And he said, you can't. You'll die. We can't let you. He said, go scrape the foam off of their mouth and put it under a microscope and look at it. You'll see that it's active. The virus is active and alive. He said, take that same foam, scrape it off the mouth, put it in my hand, and put it on the microphone, un, under, microphone under the uh, microscope, and you'll watch it die. And he put it under the microscope, and it died. They documented that it died, and he went in. When everybody who contacted it died, he went in and, it, and prayed for the people, and they were healed. I'm saying, if, if you are not in agreement with the word where he is, don't go do that. Because you'll have a hospital ministry. You'll be in ministering to people as they come see you. <laughs> but you look at these people in the faith and you see where their level of agreement was what the, is with the word. That's what the kingdom looks like. That's what it's supposed to look like right here on the earth. I'm not seeing everything I want to see, but I'm seeing it. You know what? I'm walking in it every day a little bit more. Every day I'm asking the Lord opportunities to demonstrate this. Yesterday I had a marvelous opportunity. In case I forget to say it, on May 8th, vote for the marriage amendment to protect the sanctity of the home. I had an opportunity yesterday to minister to uh, someone living an alternate lifestyle. And uh, as I saw them, they just, they just kept getting heavier and heavier on my heart. And they were in a room full of people. And I said, Lord, I don't want to embarrass them or be, make a spectacle of them or anything. I'm not ashamed. But I'm not going to give the enemy anything to work with. And I just began to pray for them. And this individual got up and walked out of the establishment and sat outside. But I was getting my hair did all prettied up. And I wasn't where I could go right away. You know, if you're getting color put on, you highlight, Stephen. I didn't just stand by Stephen's truck. I drove his truck yesterday. <laughs> so I was sitting there, and I'm like, you know, I got another 20 minutes before I can talk to him. I got to get under dryer and get it prettied up. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's all good. So I'm sitting there, and I'm praying. I said, like, all right, Lord, I don't want them to come back in. And I know they got to get their hair did, too. I want to come back in because I want to talk to them. So I get through, and I'm about finished, and they come in. I'm like, oh, no, that ain't right. That's not right. 
So I finished doing what I'm doing, and they walk back out and sit down in front by themselves. So I walk out, and I just share with them the love of Jesus. I say, here's what I want you to know. Jesus' love will meet you where you are. I said, for me, it was drugs and alcohol, but he met me where I was. And when I, went into, when I received him as Savior of my life and I came into intimate relationship with him, those things have no control over me. And he can set you free from whatever's hurting you. But I want you to know that Jesus loves you. He died that you could have life and have it more abundantly. And here's someone who I know has, as I was talking, tears began to run down their face. I said, I'm not talking about religion. I said, religion will beat you up. Religion will share its point of view and leave you hurting. I said, I'm talking about Jesus and his relationship that he desires to have with you. She wiped a tear. And I said, is anything I can pray with you about? I said, Jesus wants to demonstrate his love to you. He's not dead. He's alive. He wants to demonstrate. I don't, he don't want me to just tell you he loves you. He wants to demonstrate his love to you. She said, no, I'm good. I said, in your health. Oh, no, there's issues there. I said, well, let's just pray. I need to put my hands on her. I just prayed and declared that, Jesus, you're the same. When we see Jesus in the Bible healing, the people that he was healing, the majority of the people he healed were not believers. As a matter of fact, almost 99.9% of them, they, weren't, they hadn't believed in anything yet until he touched them. And I just said, Jesus, you're beautiful. Demonstrate your love to her. Touch this body in a way that she'll not be able to deny that it was your hand that touched her. So she can understand how great your love is for her. I got through praying. I said, thank you so much for your time. She hugged me. So I got to touch her. So I said a little bit more to her, and she hugged me again. So I threw up deuces on her. I tugged her twice. Why is that important? Because I believe the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is residing on the inside of me. And if I can touch them, I can release that from me to them. Just like you touch a power, a a live wire that's got power in it, you're going to get something. You don't believe it? We'll have a ministry of demonstration after the service today. I've got some paper clips in the back, and we've got wall sockets lined up down the walls. I promise you, when you come in contact with power, you'll know it. I worked in construction. I know what it feels like when your friends don't tell you the power's not off. I don't really call them friends. And they don't tell you don't drive. Just note to self, never take the cover off of an electrical box and grab it, grab it on the left and the right. Grab it on the top and the bottom. Because when you grab it left and right, you make a ground. Just so you know. And power is distributed into your body. And it'll lock you up to the elbow. I ain't telling you what I think. I'm telling you what I know. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. I don't think that. I know that. I know you can't get me out of that belief. I don't care how good your argument is. I know the power of God. I know the healing power of God in my life. I know when sickness has tried to attach itself to my body, and I speak to it in the name of Jesus, and it leaves. Not hope or maybe. I know the power 
And I am renewing my mind to go into greater agreement with the truth of his word so that I can demonstrate it. That's why I believe James says faith without works is dead. You don't work to, to get faith. It's, a, it's, a, it's who you are. It's your being. It comes out of you. And if it don't, I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for what you got. If your faith can't move you, and it's not a power to touch you and touch those around you, per, ta- per se, tell me how it's going to get you to heaven, to a place you've never seen. Am I stirred up? Absolutely. I'm sick to death of religion. I'm sick to death of things robbing God's people from who they are and from demonstrating. It's not about you. It's not about you getting yours. It's about you stewarding the kingdom. Just like I saw, I've said earlier, it's a kingdom. It's a stewardship. That's exactly what it is. And how are we stewarding what he's given us? How do we steward it? By doing? No, by being. It is from our being that we steward the life of God in us. And the fruit of that life will transform those around us. And if it's not being transformed, and I'm not, again, don't parallel yourself to a Smith Wigglesworth or to a John G. Lake or any, whoever you like, your hero in the faith. You just look at Jesus and say, that's who I am. I am love, joy. Because he said in Romans, this is what I'll close with. <gasps> he said in Romans, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's not carnality. He said it's righteousness, peace, and joy. That's the kingdom of God. That's who I am. I've been made righteous by the blood of the Lord Jesus. I have the peace of God that passes all understanding. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. In the face of any situation, any circumstance, any lie of the devil, there's joy that gives you power to stand and declare God's word is true in every man alive. That's the gospel. It's not what we think. It's who we are. And as we see the gospel, the gospel of power, the gospel of Christ that Paul said, I didn't get from any man. I got it straight from him. And here's what it looks like. You go out and the same power that raised him from the dead is living in you. That's the gospel. It's a gospel of demonstration. That's what the world is waiting to see, to encounter a living God. Not a strong theology or doctrine, a living God. There are men, educated, knowledgeable men, who've got their theology and they've got their doctrine down. Paul dealt with them in Corinthians. He said, I'm coming. And there are those who are all up in their doctrine and all up in their theology And they don't think I'm coming. But when I come, I don't want to hear what they got to say. I want to see the power. I said, I'm not where I'm going, but I'm not where I was. He said, I forget what's behind me. And I press for the mark of the prize of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. I see God minister to people. I've seen people healed. I've seen people healed of fibromyalgia. I've seen people healed of different things as we've prayed for them. And that's great. But I'm pressing into more to demonstrate the kingdom. Because he said, as he is, so am I in the earth. First John. Amen. Let's stand. All right. I'll quit talking. I want to encourage you to press into him and to see that this gospel that Jesus preached that astonished the religious leaders of his day is the same one that's been given to us freely. And it's for this time. It was consumed. The things, I mean, it was consummated. It was brought together. That's what that means. 
Jesus brought together heaven and earth in the man, Christ Jesus. And then he said, I'm in you and you're in me. So what we, what we go from there is we're beings. And we be the children of God. And as we be, fruit of that kingdom is released in this earth. Amen? Father, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity. Melanie, you come up and play on the keyboard. We thank you for this opportunity, Father, to hear your word, to hear your truth. And Lord, I pray that it is your word, not my word, but your word that brings light and life to our hearts. Lord, as we renew our minds and agree with that word, that that life, that same life that was that's in Jesus, that's in us, is released through us as we agree with it, as we make agreement and walk in the truth and the reality of that. Father, I thank you for this people here at the river. I thank you, Lord, for a heart to hear and to understand your truth, that we are the king in the kingdom, and we're here to not just talk about it, but to demonstrate it. To live it, Father. You've blessed us to live in the kingdom for such a time as this. You've blessed us, Father, and given us the opportunity to touch those who are around us, Lord. To touch them with your love, with your glory. It's not ours, it's yours. And God, I want you to receive your full reward. Jesus, the reward of your suffering that you paid on that cross for me. And not just me, the multitudes, the world. For God loved the world. Lord, that we would touch the world. And our world is our area of influence. Father, that we would awaken to the reality that our world is not Africa if we don't touch Africa. Our world is our community. Our world is our family. Our world is those that we work with and play with and recreate with. That's our world. That we would steward your kingdom. It's your kingdom, Lord. We partner with you in it. Thank you that we're children of God. (laughs) Jesus, I love you. I thank you that you're perfect theology. I thank you that you're the express image of the Father. That you looked, Jesus, at the woman caught in adultery. And you forgave her. And you said, repent. Turn from that lifestyle. Turn to me. And she did. That you touched the leper. And they didn't infect you. You affected them. Father, I thank you for that. Thank you, Lord God, that as we awaken to the realities of who we are in you. God, that we will make a difference. And God, I pray right now. I ask you, Father, for those in this room that have relationship with you, Lord, I pray we would examine our hearts, not to how much we do, but how much is, the, is Christ in us affecting the world around us? How, Father, are we living? How are we stewarding your kingdom as your children, not as doers, but as beers? I pray, Spirit of the living God, that you would quicken us. Quicken us, Lord, to see the privilege that we have of being your sons and your daughters. 
and that we're accepted in the beloved, that I am love and joy and peace because that's who lives in me and I in him and we are one that the world might know. Father, I thank you for that. I bless you. I exalt you because you're worthy. Worthy are you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Now, I want you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you're here today and you say, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. A lot of what you said today made no sense to me because I don't have a relationship with Jesus. But today, I want to. I want to know him as my Savior and my Lord. If that's you and you'd raise your hand and say, that's me. I don't want to embarrass you. I just want to know so that I can agree with you that you can come into relationship with Jesus. All right? For the rest. Are you here today and you say, I acknowledge. I acknowledge that I am a child of God. But I haven't made agreement with the truth of his word like you've talked today. And I want you to pray for me. I'm not going to pray for you that you start doing more because you'll just burn out. What I'm going to pray is that the eyes of this, Paul prayed for the church, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. If you look around and you say, I don't see what I want to see in my life, it's not about your doing, it's about knowing your being. If you'd say, that's me, I want you to pray for me. Would you raise your hand? Say, that's me. I want, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Father, I do that now. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you've called us, your sons and your daughters. That Jesus came and established and delivered to us the privilege of demonstrating his kingdom on the earth. And Lord, we thank you for that privilege. And Lord, we agree with the truth of that word. Lord, for each one that raised their hand, I thank you, Lord, for new understanding, for the eyes of their understanding to be enlightened. That they might know what is the hope of their calling. What is the exceeding riches and goodness and grace that you've released toward them. That they would abound in everything for your honor and your glory. Thank you, Lord. That we're complete in you because Jesus finished it on the cross. And as we come into that agreement, Lord, myself included, I thank you for new understanding, for greater revelation that brings me into demonstration. Lord, I acknowledge I'm not here to be a doer. I'm here to be a son. But as I'm your son, your kingdom will affect the earth in which I live. I thank you for that fruit in my life, for an increase of that fruit. As I agree with the truth of the seed of the word of God, there's an increase, an abundance of fruit of your kingdom in my life. Father, thank you for each one that raised their hand. Thank you for each one here. 
Lord, even as we close, I thank you for the opportunity to give into that kingdom. We talk that we're stewards, Lord, that we have the opportunity and the privilege to steward finances that you trust us with. Lord, and you, you've given us those finances that we might be faithful with them, that you would give more, that the kingdom be uh, expanded over the earth, that your truth be preached throughout the world. So, Father, we thank you for the privilege of partnering with you, of living out the privilege of giving from a joyful heart. We thank you for that. Lord, we bless again this day, the opportunities that we have as we leave these doors to demonstrate your kingdom. We thank you for that, Father. We bless you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. I, uh, if, if there is a need that you would like for us to agree with you about, Tina and I will be up front. And um, Stephen, Josh, you and Emily can come up front here. And uh, Bob, if you want to come down, you and David can stand down here. And uh, <clears throat> if there's something you would like for us to agree with you about, if it's a physical need, if there's something going on, we'd love to pray with you and agree with you. And uh, if not, uh, thank you so much for being here. If you're a guest with us, I really appreciate you being with us. As David said, fill out one of our cards and uh, get that contact with us. We can contact you. And uh, again, thank you for your giving as unto the Lord and for the opportunity to, to live in the kingdom right now here on earth. God bless you. And uh, you are dismissed. If you have a need you'd like for us to pray with you, please come down. We'd love to pray with you. If not, you're dismissed.